0: you're listening to the revision path podcast a weekly showcase of the world's black graphic designers web designers and web developers through in-depth interviews you'll learn about their work their goals and what inspires them as creative individuals here's your host maurice cherry
1: welcome 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 once again to the revision path podcast my name is maurice cherry And I've got an excellent interview for you this week, but before we get into that, let's talk about our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp helps entrepreneurs and small businesses with their email marketing efforts by managing contacts, sending emails and letting you track the results. MailChimp just had an update a few weeks ago. I talked about it before. You get access to their huge knowledge base of information. You can add video content blocks into your email messages, which is great if you have a YouTube channel. And you can add subject line emojis, which is something fairly new for email marketing. Uh, Take all these features for a test run and sign up for a free account today at MailChimp.com. If you want a new domain name for your next project, you should check out Hover. They've got hundreds of top-level domains to choose from. They offer free private registration, and they have world-class telephone and online customer support. Purchase a domain today and use the promo code SECONDYEAR and save 10% off your purchase. Creative Market sells graphics, fonts, themes, photos, and a whole lot more starting at just $2. They give away a selection of free goods every Monday, today's Monday if you're listening, and they've got great bundle promotions every month. Head over to creativemarket.com and check them out. For those of you listening who are going to be attending South by Southwest, my presentation, Where are the Black Designers, is going to take place this Saturday, March 14th at 5 p.m. at the Austin Convention Center in Ballroom E. I'm also going to do some interviews while I'm there. I'm going to be taking my uh, equipment with me, and I'm going to speak at a couple of local businesses as well. So if you're going to be at South by Southwest or you're listening and you're in Austin, please let me know. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'd love to meet you. I might even have some Revision Path free swag with me to give away. Who knows? Big big huge thanks to two people that left iTunes reviews for the show, Zito, Z-T-O-E, and SPJPGRD. They both left five-star reviews for the show on iTunes. Uh Zito says, Maris Cherry does an amazing job of raising the visibility of people of color in the world of design and development. The industry needs more of this. I learned a lot as a regular listener over the past six months. Thank you so much. I'd love to I'd love to know that. That's great to know uh SPJ pgrd says Baris is a natural and the series is a great snapshot of this moment in time why thank you very much uh if you're listening and you enjoy revision path i would really really appreciate it if you popped on over to itunes left a rating and a review it really helps the show out and i'll read your review right here on the show just like i did with them now let's get on with the interview when i asked abun olaloye why soccer hasn't gotten super popular here in the united states here's what he had to say
0: um, the thing is it's I have a very different perspective on that because um I'm just sort of so in it into the American soccer like landscape um soccer in America is here I definitely think it's it's coming it's it's up and coming we kind of we're like the pioneers in the sense we're like we're the ones who see what it can be um it's just gonna take the rest of the mainstream to a long time um, before it becomes sort of this thing where they go oh yeah soccer is that number one sport you know or whatever
1: this is revision path let's start the show. All right, so tell us who you are and what you do.
0: My name is Ebunwalaloye. I'm a Nigerian immigrant. I am founder and creative director for Live Breathe Football, which is a soccer-inspired lifestyle company that I started when I was a junior at Temple University in Philadelphia.
1: You kind of, I guess, answered my next question, but we can go into a little bit more. How did you get started at Live Breathe Football? You said you were at at Temple. Yeah, I
0: was at Temple. Uh, So when I was at Temple, there was a group of guys and girls that we played soccer every day. You know, for our time at Temple, you know what I mean? And it's kind of a little more bit of a backstory. I started like hand painting t shirts when I was a freshman in high school. So, at that point, I always knew I wanted to have a clothing company. Then, when I was at Temple, like, I remember it was my 21st birthday, and I just drew this design that said, Live, Breathe, Football out. And to me, that was kind of a way of explaining what, you know, I was doing in college. It's like, you know, I was so passionate about soccer. A bunch of people that I knew were so passionate about soccer. I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make 21 shirts, you know, to commemorate my 21st birthday. And then they sold out like in a couple of hours. I sold them to people online and people that I played soccer with. So that was kind of the start of the brand. And then we've kind of grown since then.
1: How many designs have you done since then?
0: We've probably released over 50 designs in the last four years, yeah. Wow. Yeah, we do like, so now, uh, we, when I first started, it was kind of just, you know, I was still in college and I didn't have much money. So whenever I kind of felt inspired, I would design a new t shirt, you know, get the money and make. 50 of them, whatever it was, sell them to people online through my website, and then use that money to make another shirt. But then in the fall of 2012, I started to treat the brand more like a fashion company where we did you know, two collections every year. So in the fall of 2012, we released our first collection. I believe that was a like five or six piece collection that included a scarf, a hoodie, a sweater, and a couple of t-shirts. And so that was the first time people like, really got the full vision of what LBF could be about in a sense of like, this wasn't just a t-shirt company, but more so a lifestyle brand that really offered a range of products.
1: Oh, nice. So you branded out, or you expanded out, I should say, from just t-shirts now to doing other apparel. Exactly. So what are the most important lessons that you've learned since starting Live Breathe Football?
0: Patience is definitely important. Uh, Patience is the name of the game. When I started, I had this very grandiose vision for the brand. A lot of time was... I also would be very nervous about it not happening or just kind of concerned that we weren't growing as fast as possible. But since then, I've kind of learned to really calm down that things will happen in due time. You can't sort of jump the gun. You kind of have to let things sort of play out the way they will and go through every single step to make sure things are done right. Um, But also even beyond that, just like uh, I've learned to just embrace what I do and love what I do because that's the most important thing at the end of the day. It's not I never got into do this for the money I loved soccer so much. My passion was sort of designing clothes and stuff. So I kind of put those two things together. And um, even now that it's sort of a growing business and you know, we have, we're have we in stores, we have a bunch of customers around the world, uh, for me the most important thing is still kind of staying that same person I was when I first started where I'm still very passionate about what I do and bringing that passion into my work every single day.
1: What's been your most favorite design to work on?
0: Wow, that's a great question. I guess the first one I did because the first one that really kicked things off and you know four years later we're still selling that design people still love it as much as um, they did back then and i guess it's still it kind of has the most meaning for me so i would say that one you know, but for me i treat each each one the same way go into it with a very honest approach and try to come mm-hmm. out with you know something that's that's true to the brand true to our vision and still at the same time exciting and visually appealing for people that they go, well, I have to wear this, I want to wear this thing. So yeah, there isn't a single one, I just try to you know, have fun with each one and and I guess because they're kind of each your children in, in some weird way, kind of all love them the same way.
1: Alright. What's next for Live Breathe Football?
0: Growth. The next for thing for us is getting into more retail stores, getting more distribu- distribution because I think that's a big part of growing a brand. Um, but at the same time, it's also getting more, sort of making the brand more visible and connecting with more, you know, really passionate people across the world. So that's definitely the next step for us. And again, that's always our mission, always kind of really expand and really grow the brand. But as far as sort of in the immediate term, the next thing is really expanding our product line more. You know, we're going to start doing pants, jackets, bags, that sort of thing to really kind of complete the product evolution of the brand.
1: Now, whenever I think soccer or you know football, as it's called everywhere else in the world, whenever I think of that, I think of jerseys. Like I went to right. I went to Morehouse College, and we had a really big African and Caribbean kind of student base as well. Right. So I would always see all these you know different soccer jerseys from different teams and stuff like that.
0: Right.
1: Have you th- have you thought about going into jerseys?
0: No, because. You know, Nike and Adidas and Puma, they do that very well. Like, our brand lives kind of in the off-the-pitch phase, you know, where it's like, okay, if you're a soccer player, super passionate about soccer, what do you wear when you're off the field? When, you, when you're when you not playing the game, you know, when you step off the field and you're sort of at a bar with your friends just in your everyday life, like, and you want to rep your your love for the game, what do you wear? And that's kind of where our brand lives, is in that space. You know, for, for I me, I think... Uh, you know, I always want to go where I know I have a chance of winning, like competing with Nike making jerseys in Adidas is not the game that I want to play. For me, it's about, you know, repping um, soccer in a very passionate way and making clothes that are just as exciting and colorful and beautiful as the game of soccer, as some of the jerseys we do see on people across the world, but doing it in a way that's stylish and you can wear, you know, anywhere. Like, you wouldn't go to a bar, you know, with a soccer, or if you go into a club at night or going somewhere where you need to kind of be a little bit dressed, you wouldn't wear a soccer jersey, right? But... Uh, what if you want to still rep your love for the game? You know, what could you wear? And that's kind of where our brand solves that problem. It's like, well, you can wear like, you know, a polo shirt or a v-neck or whatever you want to wear, whatever you have. But that's kind of where, where we live in that sort of small territory.
1: Now, you touched on this earlier when you talked about the design and how you sort of came about with your first shirt. I know that there are designers that are out there listening that are also thinking about getting into the apparel space, maybe with their own designs. I know there's... A ton of people that do stuff through Teespring, they just right. make up a design, do it through Teespring, you know, go like that. Kind of walk me through what the, the process was like getting your first shirt printed.
0: Well, I mean, the first thing was sort of understanding how to convert a drawing that I made on paper into a digital file in illustrator, and then sending that file to a printer and then going, well, you need to color separate this, Right. And you know, understand how the screen printing process worked. Like, okay, if you have a design with three colors, and you need three screens, and you are going to charge differently for that. So it's all about understanding that process with um, the screen printers. And luckily, I had a guy who was on my soccer team at the time. He actually printed our soccer jersey, so I connected with him, and I spent a lot of time in his shop. And he would just kind of walk me through the process of of you know how you turn a design from you know your concept in your head to to a line drawn on paper, and then scanning it to the computer, and then making a final. Um, illustration that they can print in the shop so you know definitely understanding that process was important um so that would be the big thing i tell people um as far as things like teespring and stuff like that they kind of take all of that away for you you kind of basically just put a design out there and if people buy a teespring works on the design and things like that for me um creating a brand was important so a part of creating a brand is quality control and really creating the products yourself, right? So I would, you know, spend a lot of time with picking the blanks. The material has to be specific quality. So that when people are paying 25, 30 bucks for a shirt on my website, they're not going, well, what the hell is this? You know, like why did am I paying this much money for a cheap product? I wanted people to get something quality. So I think the the advice for a lot of designers out there is if you want to get into the apparel game is really study the technical side of it. Understand what it takes to make something. Like your vision is one thing. You're sort of what you see the garment being on the final on a human being, but then you have to, there's a sort of gap between that concept and understanding how it's actually made, whether that's t-shirts or whether that's you know pants or whatever. So I think my advice would definitely study the technical side of it because it'll help you a lot to understand sort of how screen printers work and save you a lot of money too. Because if you send a design that's not print ready to a print shop, they'll charge you. You know, different ones have different prices, but you know, on average, it's like seventy five bucks an hour for them to make it. You know, print ready. While Seventy-five bucks an hour. They could charge it for three, four hours, and it might, it will take probably take them most thirty minutes. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I did that a couple times. So I said, you know what? Screw this. I can do this myself. You know, I can make sure the black is on one layer, the red is in another layer, the greens in another layer, and send it to them where all they have to do is basically print each color out and then um, print the um, the garment. So you definitely save a lot of time and money that way. Once you learn to do things yourself, or well, at the very least, understand the process, so you when they're telling you different things, you understand what they're saying.
1: Now that Live Breathe Football has sort of moved into the fashion space, like you said, are you working now on the new collection?
0: Yeah, I've been working on this collection. It's weird. Working on a collection is not something you do when you're ready to put it out, right? It's like, you know, for me, creativity is a constant journey. And there's things that we're going to release now that I've designed like three years ago where it just kind of makes sense to do it now as opposed to back then, you know? So, yeah, we're definitely – Working on a new collection now. It's going to be super exciting. It's going to be all new products, things we've never done before, like you know, pants, jackets, bags, even a dress shirt, that kind of thing. So I'm definitely excited to see how people receive that because um, it's one thing to put like a soccer-inspired graphic on a t-shirt that people get immediately. But it's something else to completely say, okay, I'm going to engineer this garment based on sort of the proportions of a soccer player, or you know, do th- basically material choices lends itself to being a more athletically inspired garment but at the same time it's still stylish and fashionable so that's kind of my new challenge which i'm excited about and excited for, for people to see the products of it
1: what's a typical day like for you
0: typical days i wake up in the morning work out make breakfast if it's not too cold I mean, it's kind of cold out here in philly so if it's like a little nicer i'll go for you know a little jog or whatever but i come back on we'll make breakfast and then I just check a bunch of emails, you know what I mean. I'm um, Try to get the email stuff out the way, and then depending on what projects I'm working on. I mean, being an entrepreneur is crazy because you're not even. Though I'm a creative director. Like I do sometimes. I'll do sales where I'm talking to different stores, trying to get them to pick up our products, or I'm working on social media, or like getting photo shoots ready and different things like that. So it all met, it depends on what projects I'm pending at the moment. But right now, sort of um, my thing is sort of getting the designs that I'm working on ready for a factory. So a lot of i have had a lot of conversation with factories in China, which you, know, you kind of have to adjust your sleep schedule because you know there was it, 10 or something hours um, ahead of us. So um, that's kind of what I'm working on right now. And then usually in the evening, um, like today's Tuesday, for example. So at 7 o'clock, I go to play futsal about 10 minutes away from here. So I'll play soccer until about 9 o'clock, come back, shower, you know, make a little bit of dinner, and then you know, get some more work done depending on uh, when it's done.
1: So when you're working on a new project, what's that workflow like? like what's your creative workflow? How do you start it off?
0: I always carry a little mostly with me everywhere I go. It doesn't matter what I'm doing or where I'm headed. I always have with me and I just jot little notes down whatever's coming to my mind or whatever, whether it's words, little pictures, images. Um, sometimes I'll sketch out a shirt if I have a design actually in my mind to that. Um, and then when I know, okay, I'm, a, I'm about a few months from when I need to launch a new collection, I'll kind of go through my notes and everything like that and kind of say, okay, this is a cool idea or whatever and start kind of picking different things together and try to find a thematic element between all those pieces and create a collection based on a certain theme. So when I, when I do, when we do collections, there's an inspiration behind each collection that informs how the pieces turn out. Um, so for example, one of our more successful collections was our Rebels collection, where the inspiration was just purely of like Rebels of the Game of Soccer. You know what I mean? And we did, I think it was four designs inspired by the Rebels, and other designs that were sort of made for people who were rebellious as themselves. You know what I mean? So that's kind of the inspiration for each collection. And then... I kind of try to, once I do that, I kind of get each piece, you know, I kind of go through an exploration of my business part of it and we just kind of have conversations where it's like, okay, what does this collection need to be about? And a lot of times it's just through those, that conversation we discover what we're trying to say to people, like what message are we are trying to put out there? And that conversation informs the name of the collection, what the pieces are going to be, like what pieces make the collection, what ones we kind of scrap. Yeah, so that's kind of the bit of the workflow. And then once we kind of get a name for the collection, a theme, then I started designing sort of the aesthetic the sort of the aesthetic of the collection, and make sure that all the pieces within the collection work together. Like they all look like they belong in the same in the same collection together. You know, so whether that's cut through color, sort of the graphic style or the illustration style, like all this, I try to work all those things together. And then once that's done and the clothes are made, we start doing photo shoots, and then we start doing a, we shoot a video, the like commercial, and stuff like that. And the idea is to have everything be a singular package, um, as opposed mm-hmm. to a bunch of individual pieces.
1: One thing that, that I thought was interesting when I was doing my research on you, I, I see you went to Temple University right. and your degree is in architecture, but you've gained this notoriety through doing T-shirt and apparel designs. Right. Is there a connection there with those two?
0: In a weird way, there is. What I loved about architecture at Temple was I remember one of my friends who's a bit older said to me, you know, architecture is the only major where you that prepares you sort of for critical thinking and just sort of being your own. Person, I think in, more, in a weird way, it kind of makes you more ready to be an entrepreneur than anything else because, you know, for example, you'd get a project at the beginning of the semester and for 14 weeks that project is yours to kind of work on and develop yourself. You know, you have sort of milestones, you have to talk to your professor and they'll kind of guide you through the process, but most of that work is done on your own. You have to create your own drawings, build your own models and you know, explore it yourself and kind of spend all this time by yourself, manage your time. So, in a weird way that prepared me to be an entrepreneur. But, you know, I've always made t-shirts. When I started when I was 12 in high school, you know, and had paid t-shirts. So I'd always been passionate about making clothes. So I just kind of felt right to do it once I graduated. I mean, I started before I graduated, but I was sort of more passionate about doing this now than I was about, you know, pursuing a job as an architect.
1: Who's been the biggest influence in your professional life? Have you had any mentors or anything that have helped you along the way? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, there's a guy by the name of Richard Tate. He's sort of a really successful entrepreneur. Um, if you're familiar with the game Cranium, um, the board game Cranium, he invented that, I mean, almost a decade or so ago, whatever. That did really success. He also owns a company now, a soccer company called Galaza, which they make um, sports, and, um, na- all natural sports um, energy drinks and hydration beverages. So. I was fortunate enough in two thousand eleven to, to be introduced to him just by chance through Twitter. So I got to start talking to his company and I flew out to Seattle to meet him and then over a couple of months he ended up becoming my mentor and since then he's been sort of a great friend and just really inspired me and really sort of let me know that I can, you know, live out my dreams and I can be successful and just Anytime, anytime I'm thinking about something, whatever it is, he's always there to kind of sort of guide me in the right way because, you know, he's done it before. He's been successful with different companies. You know, he's worked at Microsoft. He's worked at, I think, Starbucks as well. So having someone like that in my corner is definitely important because it's important you have someone who's done it before, kind of knows the struggle of just being an entrepreneur who understands what it's like to sort of be, to doubt yourself and wonder, you know, what's what's the next step? So I would definitely say he's, definitely, he's been the most influential person in my professional career so far
1: are there any kind of personal design projects that you're working on or is everything really focusing in on uh live breathe football
0: yeah i have a few personal design projects but they're not really graphic design projects i kind of have this i mean being an architect i just always love to like sort of make things you know the actual physical process of making things so um, my new project that i'm working on is creating like this really cool like a desk because I, so I have a, the desk i'm using right now with my iMac and stuff on it um, I made it a few months ago, but I'm um, kind of getting sick and tired of it because it's just I've outgrown the desk. You know, so I want to make a new, bigger one that kind of sort of um, fulfills my needs. Um, but yeah, I, I love making furniture. The coffee table in the house I made that. Um, I have this really cool like Hudson bench that I made in my bedroom. I made my bed frame, so like I'm in sort of making furniture and things like that. That's kind of how I get like my. My creative juices, be besides what I up. Yeah, because I mean I think it's important. Even though I do get to be creative with my with my business and it's my own company, um, at the same time there's sort of certain parameters you kind of have to work within and deadlines and things like that. And you still need a different creative outlet that's not what you're doing for work. You know what I mean? Something you just do for the the enjoyment of it. You know, I love sort of going to like a, a junkyard and getting a bunch of like you know old pallets and then breaking them down and sending them down and then building something from scratch and using it. So that's kind of what I'm working at the moment.
1: Is Live, Breathe Football your like full-time job, or are you doing something else?
0: Full-time in a sense of I work on it all the time, but um, I do other freelance projects for other companies. Um, so for Galazzo, I'm do i um, sort of a graphic designer for them, and then there's a company called Makerware that I also do design as sort of merchandise I work for as well.
1: Okay, so you're all freelance then. I yeah, guess yeah. that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, like, yeah, was, yeah. Was Liberty Football like just your, your entrepreneurial business, that kind of thing?
0: Yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, my goal is to kind of just, I mean, it's weird because, you know, even though I, I spend, I don't even know how many hours a week on LBF, you know, I'm doing it all the time. But for me, I constantly, like I said, with the furniture, things, I, I always need a different outlet where, you know, it's not just the same thing over and over again because I get bored easily. To kind of maintain my vigor and my excitement about LBF, I need to do other creative projects where, you know, it's like, oh, can you do this design for us? Well, you know, for example, for Galosh, a lot of what I do for them is, is print design, you know, whether it's labels or coupons and different things like that. So I'm working on those things. Just, one, get better as a designer overall, but two, just work on something that's a completely different, that's on a different wavelength than what I do for LBF. To just kind of keep me fresh and kind of you know on my game for LBF.
1: Were you always kind of this creative powerhouse, or do you have like a really creative childhood
0: growing up? You know, being from an Afri- from a Nigerian household, I was definitely very, I guess, maybe not surprised is the word, but a lot of African parents or Nigerian parents kind of, like, encourage their kids, I guess is the word, to sort of study things like, you know, <laughs> medicine, law, engineering, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. My parents luckily never did that. You know, my, my dad was an orthopedic surgeon. I just remember going to his office as a kid. I'm like, I don't like what you do, Dad. You know, and he didn't sort of reprimand me for it. He would actually, like... My first drawings were on the back of my dad's medical journal. So he'd give me, the would photocopy them and give me sort of the blank side. And I would just draw on them. And even at like, my parents' house in Lagos, all the walls, I just had crayon drawings all over them. So I've always been creative. My parents had always encouraged that. Like my mom, you know, she's a seamstress. And she always makes clothes. And when I was growing up, like she had a business where she made wedding dresses for people and you know wedding cakes. So I guess that's kind of where I got my creative gene from. But you know, my parents always let me. You know, I always used to draw all the time. I was constantly drawing, constantly making things, constantly sort of imagining um a different world. So definitely very fortunate that my parents kind of encouraged that that side of me and never said, sort of killed that.
1: Now you were born in Nigeria too, right? Yes, I was. What was it like growing up there? Because you, you moved from there here to the States when you were about nine or 10 years old. What Correct. was it like growing up there?
0: I mean, I still have sort of very vivid memories of living there. It's kind of tough to say what it was like because I was so young, but I just to mm-hmm. remember, like, you know, my parents, you know, my dad was um, the chief of surgery at the hospital where he worked at, Lagos. College of Medicine, University of Lagos, and my mom was a physical therapist. So we weren't like rich or anything. But, you know, my parents do, did okay. Um, so we sort of lived on this campus where I went to school. You know, sort of the school of all the kids, you know, from whose parents worked for the university and worked for the hospital. So you know, I was fine I mean, growing up. Whatever. I just remember having a very strict, up, strict upbringing in a sense of you know, my dad. So my dad went to um, he went to school in in Ireland. The University of Dublin and also Liverpool. So he kind of had seen what it was like to kind of go to school overseas. So that was kind of always the plan for for, for me and my siblings growing up. But you know, my dad was always wanting to learn. education comes first. So you know, I had all the video games and all the toys that I wanted, but I wasn't allowed to play with them during the week. It wasn't until Saturday morning where I could sort of really have my toys. So I just I just remember sort of having a very disciplined upbringing. Mm-hmm. Which I think eventually kinda of helps me being be, be an entrepreneur because you learn how to be disciplined and manage your time and so on. And I'm not saying I'm exceptional at it, but um having that background definitely helps. But living in Nigeria is funny. I got to play a lot of soccer, I um, had a lot of friends, you know what I mean. I just remember like growing up there, there was a time there was like a strike at school, you know what I mean? That's kinda of one of the reasons why my parents brought me here at ten as opposed to the initial plan, which was we finish high school in Nigeria, come here and go to college. My dad was like, you guys can't be sitting at home doing nothing because the school's on strike. So let's just, you know, move to the United States and then get you guys enrolled in school. So um, that was, yeah, that was what it was like. But, um, yeah, I mean, I've always been creative. I've always been drawn, you know, doing different things. You know, my brother's an awesome musician. I mean, he plays every instrument. My sister, you know, she's a doctor now, but, you know, she is really awesome. She's actually a better painter than I ever was. So I guess we all, we all, all kind of got the creative gene somehow. But I've kind of been the one who's chosen the career path of that requires me to be creative all the time.
1: Are you the youngest out of your siblings? No, I'm the
0: middle child. So my sister's older than me, and my I have a younger brother. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: I interviewed another Nigerian designer. God, this was <laughs> months ago, but it was a uh, Adekunle Oduye. He's in uh, okay. he lives in New York in in Brooklyn, I think. He's in New York. And he was kind of telling me that same thing about how Nigerian parents kind of have the... Uh, they can sort of have these very strict expectations of you. Right. But he's the ba- he's like the baby out of seven. And so I think his older siblings, like two of his older siblings are physicians. Right. And his sister, his sister is actually a famous actress. His sister is Adapero Oduye. Okay. From like 12 Years a Slave. Right, and right. And, uh, right. So he's like the baby. So when it got to him, he said his parents were just kind of like, "Yeah, you do what you
0: want." Yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. That's I definitely understand that. Uh, my parents never really like there was never that coercion. Like I just remember telling my dad, "Like yeah, I don't, I don't really like what you do." Like my dad was like one of the sort of best orthopedic surgeons in Nigeria, but like I just never really cared uh-huh. for what he did, you know. But my sister, she wants to be a doctor. That's why she's a doctor. You know, and my brother is. Doing like a sort of personal training that kind of thing, and that's what he wants to do. So our parents have always been supportive of that. Yeah. But I just remember like when I started my business, like and you know, I never really told my mom about it, like until like we were like on NBC 10 or something like that. We did like a giveaway with them, and then like I think some lady at her church like saw that because I think she was kind of at that point she was like, okay, like you're almost done college, you're just focus on graduating college, you can do whatever you want after. But for me, like the conviction was so strong that I didn't feel like I needed permission to do. I was like, I'm just going to do it. And if it becomes successful, if it becomes something worth, you know, talking about, then I have that conversation with my mother. And I remember um, when I graduated from college, I was already um, a year and a half into LBF. And I guess we'd had a bit of success. And I was just like, yeah. And when people were I was like, oh, so are you going to, like, go to grad school and do this? And I was like, no, I'm going to, you know, build this company. And I, that was the first time I really had the sort of the, the courage to really, kind of say that to my family because you know even though they, they will support you eventually it's kind of a difficult conversation to have because for them in their mind it's like it's safer to get a job it's safer to go to grad school and things like that because for them those are the benchmarks of success um, for me the, the sort of the um, the calling of being an entrepreneur is a lot stronger than you know going to grad school and getting another degree at the time
1: now football soccer football slash soccer mm-hmm. is huge all over the world world cup you know, I know you're a big Arsenal fan. All right, I, I got that from doing my research. <laughs> Why do you think soccer hasn't, I guess, really taken root like it has in other countries here in the U.S.? Um,
0: the thing is, it's I have a very different perspective on that because I'm just sort of so in it into the American soccer like landscape. Uh-huh. Soccer in America is here. You know, it's you know, and I'll give you a sort of a good analogy is I'm not an analogy but a good story is when I was a freshman at Temple, right. The group of guys that, and girls that we played with, it was just us playing soccer. Like, we would always get kicked off the turf, even though there was like a whole massive, sort of empty space of turf to play soccer. They would never let us play soccer there. We'd go inside, we'd get kicked out of all these places, right? Last summer, not last summer, but like last August, when like school kind of started up again, the entire field was covered with people playing soccer. There was at least six or seven soccer games going on. And that was just sort of you know six years since my freshman year when that happened, right? So for me, MLS is, is becoming bigger and bigger each year. You know, it's definitely not as big as sort of the European leagues, but you know, it's definitely getting there. You know, in the summertime, for example, we had a bunch of like watch parties and things like that. Like, and I'd go to this place in Philadelphia called the Piazza. It's sort of this open air area. They had this huge TV where they show like different games and things like that. They had the U.S. Ghana game and it was packed. It was, just, I mean, just unreal how many people were there. I think they said it had about three or four thousand people there. You know, what I mean? and then afterwards it was like a little like um, indoor court it's not you know, like a little like soccer like uh, it's a basketball thing but it doesn't have any, any nets whatever I mean, people are there playing soccer so for me it's like soccer is definitely here in america it's just kind of it's not mainstream the way the nfl is or like the nba is and i think it's going to take a long time a really long time for it to get to that point but just on a local level just sort of on like a real like grassroots level like soccer is the sport that kids are playing now you know what i mean like so many kids play like youth soccer in america is huge like it's a huge money maker for people because so many kids in america want to play soccer i mean there's no terminology like basketball mom or you know what i mean or football mom it's always soccer mom Soccer name. mom, like, yeah but I mean, there's a reason for that is because you know soccer is just that sport that i mean when i, I the leagues that i play now we our games are pushed to real late at night because the kids are playing you know all the kids want to play soccer so i definitely think it's it's coming it's it's up and coming but Kind of, we're like the pioneers in the sense we're like we're the ones who see what it can be. It's just gonna take the rest of the mainstream to a long time before it becomes sort of this thing where they go, oh yeah, soccer is that number one sport, you know, whatever. And I don't know if it will ever be that number one sport in America just because you know football has such a rich history in America and yeah. baseball and such. But um, I think soccer will definitely sort of keep growing in, in this country.
1: Are your parents here in the U.S. too? or Are they still in uh, Lagos? Oh, uh, they're here. They're here. Okay. I'm assuming you know you have relatives and stuff there, but do you keep in touch kind of with what the creative community is like in Lagos? Like, do you think there might be some inspiration there for future lines with Live Breathe Football?
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a guy I'm talking to now. He owns this, um, I guess, it's like a retail store called Giddy Mint um, in Lagos, Nigeria. And they're doing really cool stuff where, like, they carry like really uh, they carry really awesome brands and apparel from like Nigerian designers in the diaspora and as well as Nigeria. Um, They have a really cool delivery system and stuff. So, yeah, I definitely keep up with it. Definitely. I mean, I'm not going to say I keep up with it as much as I should, but, you know, I'm definitely in touch with it. Like, my cousin is a really awesome artist. Uh, She just won a few different competitions in Nigeria. So, kind of through her, I kind of get to see what Nigerian artists are doing and things like that.
1: What keeps you motivated and inspired?
0: just the vision I have for this brand and just the vision I have for my life, you know. Um, I've always been a firm believer in, like, you can create the, the life you want, you can create what you want to see in the world, uh, because everything that exists now was created at some point by somebody, and at, at some point in history, it did not exist. So that's what keeps me motivated. I go, well, you know, when I first started LBF, for example, like, my sister gave me the 160 bucks. I, I, I used to get the first um, 21 shirts, wherever it was, but since then, you know what I mean, like, now... We have a warehouse where, you know, people, we have customers in, you know, over 30 different countries. We're like, I think five or six stores or whatever it is across the world. We have our website, you know. We're on Amazon. So it's like, at some point in history, this did not exist, you know what I mean? Um, and at some point, it was just three words on my in my sketchbook. Yeah, I still have the sketchbook when I drew the initial little brief football design. So that's what motivates me. It's like, well, if we're here today, we can be somewhere else tomorrow, you know what I mean? that's kind of what keeps me going every time i wake up in the morning it's okay well let's move this thing let's move the needle you know an inch further and some days that needle moves a mile you know what i mean where whether it was you know we got into forbes recently or sports Illustrated, you get really excited and some days you just kind of feel like the needle moves back an inch or whatever it is but as long as you're constantly looking forward and doing whatever it takes to move forward things will be good and that's that's what keeps you motivated
1: What advice would you give to somebody that's just kind of starting out? Like maybe they want to follow in your footsteps and do apparel or just someone that wants to get more into design. What advice would you give them?
0: Learn as much as you can from just people around you, whether it's the internet. Like, The internet is just like amazing research. You can Google any question. Someone out there would have had the same exact question and someone would have answered that question already. Um, So definitely learn a lot about the field you're trying to get into. I mean, if it's apparel, the big thing I'll never discourage anyone from starting that, you know, a business. Apparel, as far as you know, just t-shirts, is so saturated right now. The problem with that is people never really think any other brand is your competition. Well, every brand out there is your competition, especially companies like H&M and are where somebody can walk in and buy a $10 t-shirt. So what's going to make them buy my $25 t-shirt? You got to think about those things. You got to think about what your competitive edge is over other people. And that's kind of a hard conversation to have. But the one thing I will tell people is just start. You know what I mean? For me, I just started. I made 21 shirts You know, took it from there and just like each, every month, whatever. I mean, there was months where we'd sell one shirt or four shirts or five shirts and all the sides pointed to this is really not going anywhere, you know what I mean, at first. But you just kind of have to keep plugging and keep learning. Make mistakes, but don't make mistakes big enough to kill your business, whatever it is you're trying to do. And just have fun with it, you know what I mean? Like, make sure you're passionate about what you do because that's what's going to help you get you up in the morning every day and go, okay, we can move this thing a little bit further because money's not going to do that for you. You know what I mean? Like you need something be something stronger than sort of the, the allure of money or material things to get you going. You need something like deep, like passion. Like I'm deeply passionate about LBF and nothing's going to change that. You know what I mean? Like I wake up every day and go, okay, how can we do something more different? Like that's where inspires the creativity. That's when the answers are going to come is when you're when you love what you do, and that's what I would tell people: just, just start. You know what I mean? You're not going to have all the answers. I mean, we're in four years; this is our fifth year of business. I don't have all the answers still. Like, I just got off a call with a, a higher up at Urban Outfitters, and I, I was just asking questions. You know what I mean? The whole conversation was me asking: How does this happen? Okay, where do you guys get this done? Like, you know what I mean? Just trying to learn that business of sort of big retail, You because know, we've never done big retail before. You know, we're still in sort of very small stores, which is cool. Um, that's awesome. But if you want to grow, you have to sort of learn. What it takes to get to that next level and that's for me that's just it for me this question like i'll ask anyone questions like yo how does this happen how does this work so um that would be my advice to people just learn about as much as you can about the business you're trying to get into learn if what it's going to take to be successful in that business
1: are you satisfied creatively
0: yes and no yes in the fact that like my entire life is i get to be creative i'm satisfied in that in that regard and no in the sense of i want to be better i want to you know, I just constantly want to improve. So in that sense, I'm not satisfied. It's like, I've got to be better than I was yesterday. Now I've got to improve. It's like, man, like now, you know, whenever there's a new challenge, I relish that challenge because I know on the other side of that challenge is, is improvement. It's, it's, it's a bit of success. And um, that success is just knowing that I was a better designer than I was, you know, whether it was a few months before or a few years before since. I guess that's kind of my answer is, yes, I am satisfied because I get to do what I want. Um I have creative freedom, which is what every creative person in the world wants. But on the flip side is sort of like, damn, I can be so much better. You know, like I I, I love looking at different designers in different fields. I'm just looking like, man, I haven't done jack yet. And people are like, oh man, you guys make awesome designs and it's like it makes you feel good for a bit, but you're like, man, there's people like Philippe Stark out there and just different people doing like super awesome things and you're like, you know, in essence it's like you know, I'm not necessarily chasing those people, but it just lets me know that I, I can improve, I can be better that's what i want
1: if you could choose any space in the world and create a design for it where would it be and what would you design
0: wow i've always had this dream of like people always ask me like, what's my eventual goal with lbf um, yeah and the big one is like i want to be able to so I, so there's a bit of a story behind it so growing up in nigeria whatever i was kind of like you know there were sort of poor kids that kind of lived in this thing called boys' quarters behind our house. And it's basically like people, like, there's they live in just, just one-bedroom places, right? And they kind of have, like, a communal toilet and kitchen and things like that. And the idea was, like, it was really cheap for them to live there. And a lot of them worked for people that lived in the apartments and stuff who worked for the hospital, right? There was this kid named Junior. He lived in the boys' quarters. His family was dirt poor. I remember his mom used to sell, like, rice and things like that. And he was a phenomenal soccer player. I mean, this is when we're eight, nine years old. This kid was just disgusting right and you know on sunday mornings when like the older guys would be playing on the field like they never wanted one of the kids to play right but this kid would sneak on the field steal the ball and like, dribble past all these guys these grown men embarrassed them. and really, you know, we're all his friends on the sideline laughing and he would score a goal They chase after he would run home wait for like 15 minutes come back and do it again it was just like hysterical right but <laughs> after leaving nigeria you know even my friends who left later like, i never heard of him becoming i mean as far as i know he's not playing professional soccer in nigeria you know what i mean um, so for me, to answer your question, what I want to do is create, like, build this really awesome, like, academy, you know, in Nigeria and really get help connect those kids like him to opportunities overseas in Europe and different places like that where they can develop their soccer skills and then have a chance at a better life, you know, for their families. Because I don't know what ended up happening with that kid, you know, but it's like, I remember him being so awesome at eight, nine years old. So imagine what he could have done with a bit of training where it's like he doesn't have to pay to you know play in like a league or things like that. He just gets to develop his skills and then when he's good enough, you know, he gets a chance to make good money playing professional soccer and then hopefully the idea is that he helps other people along as well. Like well at least family. So that's definitely if I could build anything anywhere in the world. That would be my answer right now. But also I want to build like a really, really awesome like beach house in somewhere in South America. Just like some crazy ass like place I can just kind of go when things get a little like, you know, too crazy. But yeah, that's what I would build.
1: Well, just to kind of, you know, wrap things up, where can our audience find out more about you online?
0: Online? You can find out about the brand, livebreedfootball.com. That's F-U-T-B-O-L dot com. To our Twitter is LBFootball. Mine is, my personal one is Mr. LBF M-R-LBF. Same thing with Instagram. On my Facebook, Ebun Ololoye, in there as well.
1: All right, sounds good. Ebun Ololoye, thank you so much for taking time out of your day, for speaking with me about the work that you're doing speaking to me about live breathe football I mean I'm really excited to see where you're going to go with this in the future thank I think you, this thank is th- this is something that I mean I I hear about people like creating t-shirts and things like that all the time but you're you're really taking it I think to the next level by branching it out into apparel thank and you, I think it, with man. the goals with the goals that you have certainly you got a bright future ahead of you so thank you so much Maurice thanks
0: for having me I appreciate all the kind words and all. yeah we'll just keep, we'll keep going with it and good luck with Revision Path and everything in the future Thanks. Appreciate that,
1: man. And that's it for this week. Big thanks to Aboon Olaloye, and thanks to you for listening. You can find out more about Live, Breathe Football and A-Boon's work through the links in the show notes at revisionpath.com. Wow. Thanks, as always, to our sponsors, MailChimp, Hover, and Creative Market. MailChimp is the premier email service provider choice for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Send 12,000 emails to 2,000 subscribers, no contracts, no credit card required, and it's free forever. Check them out at MailChimp.com. Hover is the best way to buy and manage domain names and they give you exactly what you need to get the job done. Get yourself a new domain or transfer your current domains to Hover and save 10% off your first purchase by using the promo code SecondYear at checkout. Lastly, there's Creative Market. A marketplace that sells beautiful, ready-to-use design content from thousands of independent creators around the globe. Head over to creativemarket.com and pick up those six free goods that I mentioned at the top of the show. Those are available for free every Monday. This episode was edited by RJ Basilio and produced by me, Maurice Cherry. Our intros by Music Man Dre with intro audio by Yellow Speaker. The outro audio they see me growing is courtesy of Jimmy Square. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and a review. It really helps get new listeners for the show. It helps bump us up in the iTunes rankings. And I'll even read your review here on the show just like I did with Zito and SPJPGRD. Revision Path is a 318 media project. If you like the work we're doing with the podcast and the website, then visit revisionpath.com forward slash donate and let us know. Leave a tip in our tip jar, sponsor an upcoming episode, or join at the $5 fist bump level to show your ongoing support. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next time.